Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is episode 32 of The Milkman of St. Gaffs, an absurdist horror podcast. A little reminder, I haven't offered in a while. This is a serialized story, so be sure to start with episode 1. It sounds like a few listeners just jumped right into the deep end. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it through Patreon, coffee, or grabbing a book or t-shirt. I really appreciate it. You can find information about how to do that at howiemilkman.com. And now let's get to the episode called The Stakes. It's time for The Milkman of St. Gaffs, starring Howie the Milkman. Hello? I shouted. There was no one around, so I pushed the gate. It moved, so I pushed more. Hello? I took a couple of steps inside. There was just a small guard hut inside the gate, but there was no one in there. It was lit up yellow from an electric light bulb hanging from the ceiling. I had to change into my uniform anyways, so I grabbed the doorknob. It was brass and loose. The hut looked really old. The outside was all covered in layers and layers of brown paint, and you could see where they'd just painted over old cracks and chips in the last coat of paint. It stank of stale, sour bodies, smoke, bad food. The light bulb buzzed. There was just a desk, a table, all really worn out some papers and rubbish on the ground. I didn't want anyone to see me, and even though, to tell you the truth, I was a bit nervous about the whole thing, I turned off the light. Then, as fast as I could, I pulled off my shirt, then my pants. There were little giggles coming from all over the place. 
Who's there? I scrambled in the dark to get my uniform on, and I kept feeling like someone was going to poke me on my bare back in the dark. I was used to getting my uniform on in the dark though, so even with a threat of unseen fingers about to jab me, I got it on quick. Then, without even bothering to flip the light switch, I ran out the door, back into the strange air of the factory grounds. I hadn't noticed the metallic smell and tension in the air, like the air had been pounded and contorted by whatever machines I could hear grinding away out there. There were a few electric lights and lamp posts, but they barely gave off any light here. The ground didn't seem to be paved, it was sort of muddy dirt. I walked up anyways, trying to figure out where I was supposed to go. I almost shouted hello again, but something made me stop. There was still no one around. I thought I heard little padded feet jumping around in the distance. It was cloudy now, and the big shapes of the factory buildings loomed over me like big threatening shadows. There weren't any signs or anything to tell a guy where to go, but I passed pens full of cows. I didn't get too close. It was almost like a small city in here, roads going this way and that, large wooden warehouses and factory buildings with smokestacks and pipes and vents with steam coming out. I turned down one road. There was a little house that just looked like a regular brick house. It was dim because it was only lit up by one dull light bulb, but there was a little scraggly lawn out front. I went up to the front door, all painted a majestic jet black. I figured maybe the factory was like a church, and the foreman lived here the same way Father Whelan lived in his church. I knocked, but no lights came on inside and no one came to the door, so I walked off. I started to think, back home on St. Gaff's there weren't any cows at the milk station, or any big machines except the thermalizer. And there were milk trucks in a parking lot, and here there were cows but no trucks. Then I realized there wasn't even a sign anywhere that said that this was the Dola Experimental Lab. So maybe I'd just stumbled into the wrong place after all. For a split second I felt relieved. Maybe I could just get out of this creepy place. But then I was nervous because I was still supposed to report for duty today and it was already night and I didn't know where I was supposed to be. The first thing was to find my way back out of here. I turned down a corner. Now that I was trying to get out, everything about this place bothered me more. The weird air that I now realized was suffocating me. The smell of cows and earth and sooty machine smoke and how dark it was. I picked up the pace. At the end of the road though, blocking my way, was a huge tower. As I got closer I could see it was a metal tower with stilts and on top a massive steel vat. It looked ancient with black grime all over it, but I could make out in big red capital letters, MILK. There was even an exclamation mark to show how exciting it was. And there were tubes poking out of the bottom of the vat going in all directions. With my eyes I traced the paths of the tubes from the vat all the way down. I hadn't noticed a vast parking lot full of milk trucks. My heart sank as I realized 
that this was the right place after all. I heard footsteps and grunting far away, but I didn't really want to know what was making the noise, so I just kept walking. Despondent and deflated, I walked around the outside of the parking lot. How big is this place anyways? The trucks were the same as the ones back home. The black paint glistened with evening dew under the yellow light bulbs. Then there was another tower, a wooden, four-legged tower with a sort of plywood cabin on top. A mass of tangled electric wires led into the cabin, and there was a pipe leading straight from the big milk vat into the cabin, and there was a neon red sign. Office, it said. But there wasn't an exclamation mark. I hadn't seen many neon lights before, and I was always dazzled when I did see one. The grunting got closer, and I figured I'd better just get to the office and get inside and behind a door. There was a rickety-looking ladder leading up to the office. It was the only way to get there. Was the grunting coming from inside the cabin? They were probably closed for the day anyways, and I didn't want to walk in on something I shouldn't have. I went up a couple of rungs, but the air seemed so thin up here, and the ladder wasn't too stable. I heard another weird noise from inside the office. Then the cabin and the ladder shook like something hit the wall, and I decided it would probably be better if I came back tomorrow. I went down the few rungs to the ground. Now which way was the gate? It was back behind the milk vat, so I started back that way. But then, there was the grunting again. I turned and a cow was running right at me. It had some kind of harness on and a big leather thing covering its eyes. And all in a moment, I saw three milkmen chasing the cow. Hey there, stop it! I wasn't one to shy away from a fight, so when the cow got close, I grabbed part of the harness on the side. It just about took me off the ground, but I pulled as hard as I could for a few steps before I had to let go and fell to the ground. But the cow changed direction because of the pulling and slammed face first into the side of a building. Then it just stood there, dazed. The other milkman caught up. Thanks, mate. Don't know how she got away. No problem. They got the cow calmed down, or maybe she was just stunned, but the other two pulled her around and led her away. Got a minute? Why don't you help us get this beastie inside? Oh, my shift's over. I'm just heading home. Your shift? He looked me up and down. You sure you're in the right place, mate? You work here? I didn't want to arouse any suspicions or get into any complicated conversations. Sure, well, I just got transferred here. It's my first day. His first day? <laughs> the big one said, chuckling. We've got a treat in store for you then. Come on. I decided I had to go along, so all four of us walked the cow. Why does it take four milkmen to handle one cow? It's not really the walking that's the problem, mate. We turned down a lane and walked the cow through a big open door into a big dim warehouse type room with big machines like radios all around. So where'd you transfer from? County Buckle. Buckle? You ain't seen nothing like this in Buckle. I helped them walk the cow onto a sort of big metal sheet on the ground. Then the others started attaching wires to different parts of the cow. Is this some kind of medical procedure? Is the cow sick? The big one chuckled again. 
<laughs> oh, she's in perfect health. The one who kept calling me mate attached a wire to a hook on the leather thing covering the cow's eyes. She got nervous and shook a bit, but I pet her head to help keep her calm. Ready, stand back. Get off the metal, mate. I stepped off and watched as the big one threw a big switch on one of the machines, which turned out not to be a radio at all. There was a loud buzz, and the cow started to shake and smoke. The machine made loud clicking noises. It stank, a mix of animal cooking and burning electricity, one of the most awful things I'd ever seen. The animal collapsed. Bet you never saw an ohm cooking before. No. The other milkman got a knife and sliced into the dead cow. Hey, Buckle, you want some steaks? I ran outside and threw up. I heard the others laughing inside. My mate came out. You all right there, mate? Why did you do that? Boss says we have to find a process to kill the cow and cook it at the same time. The meat'll be inferior to what you get at the butcher, but it'll be suitable for tin cans. Last forever. It'll be a miracle of science if it works out. I got up. Which way's the gate? He pointed and I left without saying anything else. So that's the kind of experiment they wanted me to do? I didn't see why they went to all the trouble to send me here for this. I signed up to be a milkman, to deliver milk and just keep an eye on the civilians. There was nothing in the contract about slaughtering cows. It just didn't seem right. When I got close to the gate, the pounding started again. What was that? I thought I'd feel a lot better if I got out of this place and talked things over with Stormy. She'd know what to do. But there, just beyond the gate, were three coppers snooping around. They pushed a button I hadn't seen and it made a buzzer go off in the little guard hut, but there was still no one in there. I just hunched down behind the hut where they wouldn't see me. They buzzed again and I heard them say something about coming back tomorrow. I peeked out from around the corner and saw them walk off. When I was sure they were gone, I crept out and opened the gate. The idiot cops could have just opened it themselves and come in, they didn't even try. I walked back out into the city. It was darker than before. There were just a few lights on here and there, but now there was nothing. Now, between you and me, this was the first time I'd had any shadows of any doubts about the milkmen. Up until now, I felt like they really had my back at every turn. We were a band of brothers but something in me felt a bit betrayed at being transferred to this gloomy place where I couldn't drive on the coast road in the early morning and where they electrocuted cows in the middle of the night. But I followed the row of electric poles back to the coffee shop and my love, Stormy. It was getting foggier and I remembered a song she once sang to me while I was falling asleep at her house when I was hurt. For it's cold out there, but I don't dare to stay inside with you. But you wrapped me up in your great arms to keep me from the foggy, foggy dew. I hurried up my pace. It was getting colder. Then my stomach sank. The coffee shop was dark, closed. I walked up to the window. I knew it was futile, but I looked in anyways, and sure enough, the place was totally deserted. 
Where the hell did Stormy go? I looked all around, thinking maybe she was cowering in the shadows somewhere without me, but there wasn't a soul about at all. Calm down, I told myself. If I were her, what would I do? She's got no money, she doesn't know anyone, it's night, she's never been in a big city, and we're in a weird neighborhood on the outskirts. Well, she probably didn't like the police any more than I did, so she probably wouldn't go to them. My heart started pounding. The woman I loved had fled into the rusty pipes and oily puddles of this blighted place, and I couldn't protect her. The only thing she could have done was to go to where she thought I was, back to the experimental labs. But she must have gotten lost since I didn't see her on my way back. As I was walking, I thought about yelling out her name, but didn't want to because of the people who must have been sleeping in the occasional house or apartment building around here. The idea of having to come to this weird place every day was really bothering me. I got to thinking about the fact that we'd probably have to live out here since we didn't have a car and I didn't see any streetcar tracks around. What the heck would we eat? I wasn't going back to bread and molasses after Granard's fish sandwiches. I was homesick, poking around dark alleys and corners. I'd always had this dream of becoming a big deal leading an adventurous life. I couldn't wait to get off that backwater island and conquer the world. But now it seemed like maybe just staying a milkman on St. Gaff's would have been a better and more satisfying life. Especially now that I turned a corner and nearly bumped into the bobbies. Apparently they'd stayed in the area. They turned around and just stared at me. Were they looking for me or just doing a foot patrol? Howie Coxwell? They were looking for me, so I ran, and they chased me. I wouldn't have had much trouble getting away from them since I was young and strong and they were more hefty. But the three of them split up. I thought I'd head down a little alley they might not notice, and seconds later, a bobby tackled me to the ground, shouting, I found him over here! But I struggled away and ran off. Running around in this maze was silly. I ran into the blackness between two buildings and got down in the wet weeds and just tried to control my breathing. Across the road from me, there was a light bulb that was hanging over a doorway on the side of a cinder block building. Beside it was a chair just sitting there beside the door. I didn't have anything else to do, so I just lay there and looked at the chair. I imagined some guy took his brakes there and had been sitting in the same old chair in the same old fog, smoking a cigarette for years and years, and maybe thirty years from now, some other juvenile delinquent would be running from the police, and he'd see me there, fat and smoking and trying to convince himself he hadn't wasted his life. I didn't want that to be me. I was getting concerned about whether I'd made the right choice about being transferred here. Well, Howie, you kept pushing for the big promotion, and finally they gave it to you. You've got no one to blame but yourself. I think I fell asleep for a while and dreamed about home. But I woke up when the three cops walked by. They didn't see me. They must have given up since they were just walking off like they were going home. When I couldn't hear them anymore, I got up and tried to get my bearings. Nothing looked too familiar, but I thought I recognized one of the smokestacks up. Got him! And I was running full tilt from the cops who'd been hiding in wait for me. Give it up, son. 
I followed the rabbit around a corner. I didn't even remember that I was following him. He led me this way and that around corners. He got way ahead of me and turned around to eyeball me with that bulbous dangling eye of his. I thought he'd be my savior, but he led me down a muddy track, growing all the while. My boots started sucking in the mud, till one boot got really stuck and I fell faced first into the blackest water I'd ever seen. It was oily and I couldn't figure out which way was up. And I couldn't tell how deep it was. I held my breath, but right in front of my face there was a cow muzzle. I thrashed to get away and my hands hit slippery, tendony bones. The cow's face got closer and its eyes lolled open. I gasped a bit and saw which way the bubbles went. I only probably had a few seconds left and my lungs were bursting. I grabbed the big slippery bone on my left and pushed myself the way the bubbles were going. But it was all cow bones and shredded rotten hides all the way up. I pulled and pushed my way through as the red eyes awoke. They knew me. They muzzled me. I could feel the tongues like old rotten cheese licking the back of my neck. But I grabbed at the shore and pulled myself up onto it. I couldn't tell if this was a spell or not, but I scrambled up to get away from the water, and there in front of me, huge and frowning and mangy, the rabbit, but at least three feet tall. I thought he was there to help me, but he hopped up and kicked me with his front legs and I almost fell back into the water. It lunged again, but I grabbed it, and we wrestled in the mud and trash that was lying around. It kicked and kicked, but I flipped it over and stuffed its face in the mud and pushed it down as hard as I could. The image kept flashing in my head, my mom sitting there not caring if I'd come home, and I pushed the thing's head harder and harder into the mud, trying to extinguish the thing that kept ruining my life. I felt my eyes bulging with the strain until the rabbit went limp. I rolled it into the stinking water and stood up on the banks of the river. I was close to the experimental labs. The horizon was red with the impending sunrise. I was, once again, cold and shivering and alone and way too exposed to the sky. I looked at one moon and then at the other and wondered why they'd forsaken me and left me to this strange existence. I was soaking wet. But it wasn't just water, there was a weird smelling greasy film all over me. I looked down into the black waters of the river Kirsten and understood. It was the experimental labs that made the water black. The bottom was a thick layer of slowly rotting cow corpses. The oily stuff in the water kept the light and air out and stopped the cows from decomposing in a proper, natural way. I heard a couple of distant truck motors, some screech of metal from somewhere. I tried to get my bearings. I didn't like this place, and I couldn't understand it. Factories and warehouses and the streets weren't on a grid, but seemed to just jut out and crisscross each other at weird angles. But there were houses here and there and occasional shops. It wasn't too crowded. How could someone end up living out here? I just sat there for a bit trying to clear my head as the sky above me got lighter. But as the sun poked its curious head over the horizon, there was more movement around, people shuffling about. One truck, then another, trundled along, milk trucks. The sun's arrival warmed me a bit. I'd survived the night, but men were emerging from houses and walking along the roads. 
No one said anything, and I could tell they didn't want to notice the bedraggled milkman with muddle over his legs. A factory whistle blew not too far away, and I supposed it was time to start work for some. Then, I remembered, Stormy was out here somewhere too. Maybe the police had gotten her. I'd ask the milkman to help me find her. Probably she'd just ended up walking all around looking for me. But now that the sun was up and people were walking around, she'd find her way to the labs. I found myself drifting with the crowd, but they thinned out, turning down different avenues or disappearing into huge belching buildings. No other milkmen were about. Up ahead I saw, once again, the gate of the labs. And there were milkmen, I could tell from the white uniforms, dragging three dark shapes inside past the guard hut. When I got there, I looked again at the perplexing words that were written over the gate. Unto the pure, all things are pure. I pushed the gate, but it was locked, and a burly milkman popped out of the hut. No one gets in here without authorization. But I'm a milkman, and a sodden one at that, he said. I fell in the river. Not surprised by the smell of you. I need to report to the boss right away. I was supposed to be here yesterday, but I got lost. See, the boss? And what might your name be? I'll have to check the register. Howie Coxwell. Howie Coxwell? I see. Well, you're not going to see the boss like that. He opened the gate and let me in. You see that building there? The low brick one? That's the quartermaster. You go wait there for the officer to come by and tell him you need a fresh uniform since you've got an appointment at the office. Okay, thanks. Now the office? I know, just beyond the big milk vat. He looked at me sort of sideways when I said that, but I just walked off. I couldn't wait to put on a dry, warm, new uniform. I walked past the place where they'd shocked the cow. The milkman was still there and smiled oddly at me as I walked past. Hey, mate. I didn't say anything. The door to the quartermaster's building was locked. I stood there waiting and waiting and I got bored and started wondering about the digging sounds. So I walked around the back of the building and there was a hunched over old man in a uniform digging a hole. It looked like he was having quite a hard time of it too. There were three body bags piled up against the wall. He looked up when he noticed me and winked. Three more for the ditch, eh? Found them on the perimeter. Boss says they ain't real cops and shouldn't have been snooping around here even if they was. We don't want more of their kind coming around. Three cops? God damn it, I thought. How's about helping an old fella out with some digging? Sorry, I have to report to the office right away. I went back around the front, but I noticed the old guy poking his head around. I think he was pretty annoyed that I didn't want to help out. But orders are orders. Three dead cops. Great, I hadn't been in the city for hardly 24 hours and already I was going to get blamed for something. I wondered who found them and decided they had to be buried right away. Probably best if I stayed as far away as I could from the whole situation. Anyways, the quartermaster wasn't showing up and I figured that if I just kept standing here doing nothing, the old guy would insist that I help him. My uniform was starting to dry out a bit. I brushed as much of the mud off as I could and left for the office. There were more milkmen around now. I saw two with gold tassels on their uniforms walk past me. 
If he gets enough of this stuff, yeah, it's gonna be a kind of gas that'll just kill the enemy right in the trenches. They tried that with their thermalizer, but it didn't work. Couldn't get enough of this stuff. I'd had just about enough of this stinking place with its electrocuted cows and black smoke and cadavers buried all over the place. I thought back about my first golden days as a milkman, with Mr. Corwin giving speeches and Frank and Beaver laughing it up and all the bluster from Mr. Billings and that peckerhead McMurdle screwing everything up in my quiet drives to the radio station. That was the kind of milkman I wanted to be. I picked up my pace and lifted my head. I was going to march into that office and tell the boss I wanted to go back to St. Gas to deliver milk like a normal milkman. I was willing to bet Stormy had had enough of this place too and I bet she missed her big nice house. Beyond the milk vat was the ladder I hadn't been able to climb last night, but now I was determined to go in no matter what noises I heard. It was actually perfectly quiet. I got to the top, there was a little platform in front of the door. I took the opportunity to take in the view, a hellscape of ugly factories, smoke, random rundown houses, the black river cutting it down the middle. Up here I could see that it was a sort of swampy area, which is probably why they didn't bother to build anything nice here until the factories came. Maybe this place hadn't even existed when I was a kid. There were also lots of train tracks I hadn't noticed and a lot of them looked like they came right into the experimental labs. The sun was up now, a sickly, pale egg yolk in a washed-out, pukey sky. It might have been seven or eight in the morning. I knocked on the door and heard laughing from inside. <laughs> I knocked again harder. Come in. It took me a while to figure out what I was looking at. It was all a bit too much. Stormy was sitting on a red velvet couch with a tall glass of milk, and she was smiling. But before I could say anything, I looked from her to the man behind the desk, also smiling, a smile I'd seen before, along with a pair of gold-rimmed spectacles. Stan, I was trembling. Stormy, how did you... Howie, they closed the coffee shop just after you left, but Stan found me. I'm glad you finally found us, Mr. Coxwell. You, we... No need to worry about your tardiness. The campus can be a bit confusing for newcomers. But I s saw you. Perhaps we've crossed paths before somewhere, but we've got to get on with business. Milk? He took a large, frosty-looking glass out from behind his desk and walked over to a spigot in the wall. He walked, strangely, like he'd broken one of his legs a long time ago and it hadn't healed up quite right. He poured me a glass of milk and I took it. I had a sip. It was good. Maybe the best I'd ever had. I gather your mother's been speaking with some of our yellow newspaper men here in town, and with law enforcement. My mother... Yes, we'll see to it that things don't get out of hand. For some reason, what he said and the way he said it made me really uncomfortable. What is it, Howie? Speak your mind. I want to go back to St. Gaff's. Oh, that's out of the question. We need you here. Then I don't want to be a milkman. Howie, Stormy said, this is a good opportunity. They're going to give us a house for free. Your lady friend is right. It's a modest dwelling, a row house, but fully furnished. 
In light of your legal troubles, I've decided that you'll have a regular milk route. No use trying to hide. I want you as visible and ordinary as possible. We will handle the trial, if there is one, when the time comes. As he was walking, I took in the office. There were blueprints and train schedules stapled to the walls, and there were a bunch of draftsman's pencils all over the desk. And the desk was just an ordinary desk, and the place looked just about the same as the foreman's office at the shipyard back home, except for the big red couch. Once a week, Fridays after your shift, you'll report here to me for the weekend. I looked at Stormy. And leave Stormy alone all weekend? I'll be fine, Howie. This is a great opportunity. You don't have to worry about Stormy, my boy. I've got my eye on her. And he winked at me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.